Uh, the text for this morning is 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter 5. And starting in verse 1. 1 Peter 5, 1. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. Not yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. This morning I would like to speak to you as a church uh, who, who is in transition right now, right? Um, I mean, right now, all of us are aware of the fact that Dick is going to be retiring. Um, and, I mean, it's truly a, a bittersweet moment, and we're thankful for his years of service and we will miss his steadfast shepherding and his presence in the ministry here at Lake Road. We, we rejoice in what God has done, but also there, there's sadness also, isn't there, behind it. Things like this can also cause you to think, right? It can think about about the future. So what's the future going to hold? Like, what are we going to look like 10 years down the road? I mean, here before us, you know, we have, we have Charles also, right? Who maybe in a few years, five years, 10 years, 10 years, right, Charles? <laughs> 25. 25 more years? Okay, that's, that's, we're going to make him sign a contract. <laughs> um, so we, we don't know, do we? And, and here we have Jim, you know, our faithful deacon who's been in the background, right, serving for decades. Pillars in the church, right? What's going to happen? What's going to happen to the church of God? So, I mean, this is a good question, and this is for something to think about. But in, in, in doing this, I, I want to step back just a little bit, and I want to first, I want to describe the church in the context of First Peter and then secondly, I would like to provide some application as a body on how to move forward with our current elders and within the body here. So first off, what is the church in the context of 1 Peter? Uh, in doing this study, I thought it was very interesting, uh, the multiple ways that Peter described Christians or described a group of believers. In chapter 1, he describes them as aliens, as the chosen Obedient children, believers in God, brethren. In chapter 2, living stones being built up as a house and a holy priesthood. A chosen race, a royal priesthood, 
a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, people of God, beloved and aliens and strangers, free men and bond slaves of God, brotherhood, the called, sheep. Later on, he also mentions Christians, followers of Christ. And then finally, flock of God, which he mentions here in chapter five, or chapter 5, verse 2, shepherd the flock of God among you. So what, what is the church, right? It's not this body, or this not this, this building here, these four walls, right? How does Peter describe the church of God? Well, in this context, he's talking to, he's calling them a flock, right? It, it's, it, they're people. It's not this thing here, but it's you. You are the flock of God. And to ask the question where the church might be might actually reveal an underlining unbelief in Christ. Now, how might, why, why would I say that? Well, what is the foundation of this text here? Okay, so he's saying, shepherd the flock of God among you. So again, this context here is talking about to elders. But who's behind the elders? It says, and when the chief shepherd appears... Right? So the foundation of this text is the chief shepherd. The church of God is centered on Jesus Christ and not the elders. Right? See, elders can come and go. I mean, naturally, right? I mean, we've been blessed with elders for here for 40 years, right? But they're, they're going to pass away. I mean, how many elders have there been in the lifetime of the church? They, they come and go. They're but men, right? What would happen also if, so right now they're shepherding, what would happen if, they, if, if something happens and they're taken away with us? Like, what would happen to the church? We would have no elders, right? But wait, we have a chief shepherd. A chief shepherd that has been here for how many years? Right? He's not going to leave us. So how glorious of a thing that the church is in the hands of Jesus Christ and not the elders, right? Jesus is the shepherd. What do we know about Jesus, and how does he deal with his sheep? R.A. Torrey, um, I, th- I thought it was, it was excellent. He kind of gives a, um, a description of the good shepherd. And he says that the good shepherd, he knows John ten fourteen, I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. He calls, John ten three, to him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He gathers Isaiah 40, verse 11, like a shepherd, he will tend his flock in his arm. He will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. John 10, 16, I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. He guides, Psalm 23, 3, he restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. John 10, verse 3 through 4. To him, the doorkeeper opens, 
And the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. He feeds, Psalm 23, 1 through 2, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. John 10, 9, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. He cherishes tenderly. Back to the the same verse, Isaiah 40, verse 11. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arm, he will gather the lambs and carry them in his what? In his arms? No. On his shoulders? No. In his bosom, right near his heart. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. He protects and preserves, John 10, 28. <clears throat> and I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. He laid down his life for the sheep, John 10, verse 11 and 15. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and lay down my life for the sheep. He gives eternal life to the sheep, John ten twenty eight, And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish. So listen to that. Jesus knows his sheep. Jesus calls his sheep by name. Jesus gathers his sheep. Jesus guides his sheep. Jesus feeds his sheep. Jesus cherishes tenderly his sheep. Jesus protects and preserves his sheep. Jesus laid down his life for his sheep. Jesus gives eternal life to his sheep. Brothers and sisters, he knows your needs individually, and he also knows our needs as a flock here. Now for the application. How must we, as the sheep who meet in this building, move forward in this transition? There's two things that I would like to mention uh, just in the context of uh, verse 5. There's probably many other things that we, could, uh, that we could say. But what does this context say here? <clears throat> First Peter chapter 5, verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders. So the first thing is submission. See, what does he say here? He says, you younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders. What what do you mean, likewise? What is he he trying to say here? See, he's he's saying, younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders. So he's pointing back to the elders but what is that likewise? What is that likewise pointing to? He's saying, okay, the elders are in subjection. Well, who are the elders in subjection to? The chief shepherd, right? So the elders submit to Christ. The flock submit to the elders who are submitting to Christ. I mean, all of us are submitting to Christ also. But we are called in this context as a flock to submit to our elders. In submitting to our elders, we are submitting to and obeying the chief shepherd. 
The ultimate submission is to Christ and not our elders. This might not be the, the best example, uh, but just thinking as a family, you know, and thinking with children. So if, if my wife and I were to leave to go on a date, what, what do we do? We, we get a babysitter, right? And when that babysitter is there, they are watching over our children. And I, I expect my children to listen and obey the babysitter, right? So I have placed this babysitter over my children. My children are to obey the babysitter, to, to listen and to submit to them. However, in the same context, if the babysitter asks them to do something that they know is not right, what should they do? They shouldn't just submit to that, right? And their, their ultimate subjection is to me and my wife and not the babysitter. But in obeying the babysitter, they're obeying me. Does that make sense? So the question is, is are you, are you submitting to leadership? Have, have you placed yourself under leadership? Or are you kicking against it? Well, submission, you know, that's, that's kind of a, a big, scary word, can it, isn't it? <laughs> but let's look at context here, and I think that this is helpful. If you go back to chapter 2 in Peter, 1 Peter, I'm just going to kind of skim over some of the verses. First uh, Peter 2, verse 13. Submit yourselves to the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority, or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. If you skip to verse 18. Servants, be submissive to your masters with respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. And if you go down to chapter 3, verse 1, In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be one without a word by the behavior of their wives. And then, of course, we have uh, there in chapter 5, or as I've already mentioned, about the elders being subject to the chief shepherd and us as a flock being subject to the elders. But right in the center, and I, I think this is interesting, right in the center of, of this talk about subjection is, is this jewel. In chapter 2, verse 21, For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. So in this context of subjection, it mentions Jesus Christ subjecting himself to reviling and sufferings of the governing body. What was he doing? Entrusting. Entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. You see, do you see that? So now you can go back to here to chapter 213, submit yourself to the Lord's sake to every human institution. So yes, 
Submit to the governing body while entrusting yourself to him who judges righteously. Servants are there in, in your employment. Submit yourself to your masters while entrusting yourself to him who judges righteously. Wives, submit yourself to your husbands while entrusting yourselves to him who judges righteously. Elders, submit yourself to your chief shepherd and trusting yourself to him. Flock, submit yourself to the elders while entrusting yourself to him who judges righteously. Hebrews thirteen seventeen says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls. And those who will give an account, let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. I would think that in this verse here it would say it would be unprofitable for them, right? Because if they're having to do it with grief, it's not, un- it's not profitable for them. But where, where, where does their profit lie? It's not with you, right? What is this? What, what did we already read? You will receive the unfading crown of glory. Their profit is this eternal profit. So why is it unprofitable for you to disobey your leaders? See, your soul will not prosper outside of submission. You're placing yourself outside of what God has designated And so you are not going to prosper in that way. Happiness. Happiness is found in submission, right? I mean, even in your life alone with Christ, when you are submitting with Christ, there's happiness. Isn't that right? So in the same way, when you are submitting yourself to what God has ordained, there's happiness and there's joy in it. What is a good shepherd intending to do when he's leading his sheep? Well, obviously, the context here in, in chapter 5 is, is shepherding, right? Shepherd the flock of God among you. Acts 20, 28 through 31 says, and, and this is Paul here. He's speaking to the elders at Ephesus. It says, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert. What has God done in placing elders over us? What are they doing? They're guarding us, right? It's like they're standing guard watching over our souls, making sure that no savage wolves come in to destroy us. They're looking after us for our good. Why wouldn't we submit to that? Why would you be a sheep that kind of goes off to the side trying to kick out from the flock? Follow the leadership of the elders. Submit, submit to them. I mean, we could, I could go through and, and just read all the verses in the New Testament about submission. I mean, aren't you thankful for our elders? Aren't you thankful for the elders that God has placed over us? In this section here, it talks about shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight and not under compulsion. You know, you don't get the the feeling that it's under compulsion. 
but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain. You don't feel like it's for sordid gain. But with eagerness, and you can sense that, not yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, do you feel like they have a high hand? No, no, they're not, they're not lording over us. It's not that type of submit type of thing. They're, they're not pressing that. They're, they're, they're gently leading us in the right path. But proving to be examples to the flock. Look at their lives. Look at the testimonies of their lives. Are they not godly men? So they're godly men. God has placed them over us. Why wouldn't you submit to them? Yield your authority over to them. Let them speak truth into your lives. Lean towards trusting them and not distrust. Let your disposition be that you trust what they're doing. May it not be, well, I, don't know if, I don't know if I agree with this, and, and let, let that not be your disposition. Trust them. Yes, it's not a naively just, just laying things out and just, just do whatever they say. No, that's not the case at all. Again, our main accountability is to the chief shepherd also, is to Christ. But we do need to trust them. And the other thing is to be supportive of them in multiple ways. You know, we support them financially. We need to support them in prayer. And we need to support them in encouragement. And I, I feel like myself um, was kind of a, a rebuke to myself in that. I, I don't feel like I've done a, a well enough job in supporting my elders. Uh, just saying thank you for what you guys have done. <laughs> there with uh with Paul and the uh, the elders there at Ephesus, they're on the boat. And when Paul was leaving, what were they doing? They were weeping, right? <laughs> the next thing in this section here is humility. I might also be able to uh, put submission under this heading, right? If if you're not humble, you're not going to submit. <laughs> They, they go hand in hand. The proud person would never submit to their elders. I know what's best, right? Humility is taking a low position. It's not regarding yourself, but regarding other people. I think about John the Baptist, right? What did he say? More of him and less of me, right? Yeah. Philippians 2, 3 through 4, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interest of others. This is very important in the context of church life. <coughs> humility. Do you regard yourself over others in the church? Do you think of yourself more highly than other people in this flock? How do you feel when someone is better than you at something? How do you react when someone confronts you? Do you confess your sin or do you blame something else? Are you annoyed with others? Do you give the impression that you have no problems? Are you quick to express your opinions within the flock? You know, um, Andrew mentioned a few weeks ago 
about are you burdened for people or are people a burden for you, burden to you? That's a lack of humility there, right? Humility is regarding someone else. So you're not looking at yourself, you're looking at someone else and the needs of someone else. Beloved, we need to walk humbly with each other. It, this is an essential piece to church unity. And in, in fact, a lack of humility, a lack of love, will destroy a fellowship. I mean, it's possible within years, years, to have a church destroyed because of pride. And even in this section here, what does it say? It says, you younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders. And all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For what? For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God stands in opposition against the proud. He stands in opposition. Think about that. He opposes the proud. And this context here is in the context of church life, right? And elders and younger men submitting, all of you clothe yourself with the humility together, for God is opposed to the proud. So this is in the context of a church, him saying this. So what does he say? He says, clothe yourselves with humility. So much like putting on the armor of God, he says what? He says, clothe yourself with humility. How? How do you clothe yourself with humility? Okay, so you recognize pride. You recognize, well, you know, maybe I have an, not maybe I have an issue with pride. If you say that, you have an issue with pride. Uh, but you have an issue with pride in some fashion, right? So what, what do you do? Well, what do you do with any sin? Right? The answer is not, well, just be humble. You know, humility is not the answer to pride. What's the answer then? It's Jesus Christ. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. When you think about Jesus Christ and you think about what he has done for you, what does that do? That takes your eyes off of yourself and puts it on him. And when your eyes are upon him, you will walk humbly with other people. You will have victory over sin, right? In my life, uh, I have found the most help with something when I've confessed to the Lord that I can't, I can't do it. So it's a, okay, walk humbly with each other. <laughs> like, Lord, I'm, I'm, I can't. Like, I, I, I can't do it. Which forces me to then, what? Look away from myself, because I see myself as emptiness. I can't, I can't see, I, I can't find the answer within myself and find the resolution within myself I can't stir myself up to walk humbly because then I'm looking at myself, right? So then it's a, I can't do it, Lord. And so you're looking away from yourself and looking upon Christ to, to resolve the issue, to help you and to give you the strength for whatever you need. Yes. So then back to this original question of where Lake Road will be in 10 years. I don't know. Yeah, I, I can't answer that. But there are certain things that we can answer, is that we have a faithful shepherd who will guide us into green pastures, who will lead us, who will protect us, 
who is currently right now looking after us, looking after our souls. And secondly, wherever the Lord has us go, whatever, you know, whether we have to move away, whatever happens, persecution comes and we're scattered. Whatever happens, we need to submit to the leaders that God places in front of us and we need to walk humbly with each other.